0: seated because it's been so many years since courtney and rj's wedding i forgot rj's parents and family's name so i would have prayed specifically for a name by you guys too just make sure i know your first names before you leave rj has my phone number so i would be praying for you guys by first name too okay oh Oh, we need to dismiss kids (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, we were supposed to do that 10 minutes ago uh, If you are uh, a kid of whatever y'all um, head back with, with Eric and Tommy um, Birth, not birth through, because birth wouldn't be in here, they wouldn't be walking um, Four years to fourth grade, you guys go ahead and head on back Come on back, four years through 40 years You go ahead and go on back with them, they're going uh, to have a good time Um, oh, think back for those of you who were alive back to the 1900s, (laughs) a long time ago. Okay, show of hands, how many of you were not alive in the 1900s? There's just a couple. Oh, you you know, you guys were. In 1989, long time ago, the year of our Lord, uh, Nike was doing a ad campaign, for a cross trainer shoe. All right? And they needed to have the exact right person to advertise this cross training shoe. So they picked a guy by the name of Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. For those of you who are too young to know this, oh, Bo Jackson was amazing. I had posters on my wall of Bo Jackson, posters, multiple. Okay, he was uh, not the first, but one of the more memorable professional two-sport athletes. He played baseball for the Royals, I think the White Sox, and one other team also. Uh, he played football for the L.A. Raiders back when they were an L.A. Raider. He never LARPed, but most of us don't know what that is anyways. So. But he was the perfect person to advertise these cross-training shoes, because if you're going to get a shoe that can be in multiple different like athletic ventures, why not get him? I did a little digging and found one of the original, (laughs) one of the original commercials. Let's see if we have this. Bo knows baseball. Bo knows football. basketball too. Oh, no, tennis? you don't know diddly you remember that commercial Tommy? Yeah Bo Knows that ad came out in 1989, I started saving and I bought my first pair of Nike cross trainers in 1997 (laughs) took me a while to save up for that, but if Bo knew that they worked, I believed him, right? Now listen, Bo Jackson is not in our biblical text for today, (laughs) right? But this idea, this theme of knowing is. And in fact, we could probably say if John knew, then we should believe him. Let's pray. Father, we have already been in your presence. That's been evident. Uh, We have felt it. We will continue to do so. I ask that as I share briefly, um, that the words I say would, would encourage. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and grab your Bibles if you have one. Uh, if you don't, grab your phone, turn in your app to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, I think they're the maroon, reddish color books under the seat pocket. 1 John is towards the back of the Bible, so you might as well start in the back and start making your way to the left. We've been in this sermon series for several months now that we've titled Not Your Normal Dear John Letters. And today we come to the final sermon in the, the, the letter of 1 John. Okay? Two more sermons, the Second John and Third John, but today is the final one in 1 John. Now, so that means John's wrapping up his letter. And if you think of the ways you wrap up a letter normally, you would think, okay, well, John's going to come to the end and he's going to say, oh, I miss you so much. Can't wait to, to, to see you, keep a guest room ready, give my love to so-and-so, much love, John. That's how he's going to end the letter. At least that's how I thought he was going to end it. That's how letters are supposed to end The Apostle Paul ended several of his letters kind of like that in the first century. Fast forward 2,000 years, if you still write letters, that's how you end them. But that's not how John ended this one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 to 21. You can follow along or just listen. John writes, I have written this to you, to you who believe in the name of of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life. But there's a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know, this is verse 18, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God, because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. The end. Although he doesn't write the end, right? It just, that's nothing at all like give my love to so-and-so, can't wait to see you, keep a guest room ready, much love, John. Is it? No, it's not. Come with me on just this crazy little mental James journey for a little bit. I'm going to preach short today. All right. When I encounter a passage in Scripture that there's something in it that doesn't make sense, I try, and, I try and figure it out. Hopefully you do the same thing. I try and go from not knowing to knowing. And there's this small section right in between where it's like, oh my goodness, John, what did you just say? Verses 16 and 17, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but essentially John says, hey, if there's somebody that you see that's sinning with well, a sin that doesn't lead to death, go ahead and pray for him. God will make it right. But then if there's somebody who's sinning that, in a place that leads to death, don't pray for him. Where in the Bible do you hear that? Right? Don't, don't pray for him. That makes no sense to me. So then the question is, what is that sin that leads to death? I mean, I ask that, so it's like, I want to make sure I don't commit that one. And even human nature, most of us are like, well, I want to see how close I can get to, to the sin without it being sin. That's human nature. I don't even want to come close to that. So I got out all my different commentaries, the ones on my Kindle, the ones on my shelves, the ones for just the smart people that I call and I say, hey, what does this say? And I'll save you a bunch of time and effort. Nobody knows what that sin is. All the commentaries disagree. All right. But I say that if you look at what's in front of and what's behind it, we can get a decent idea or at least a James guess as to what that might be you look at the passages at the beginning of that and then at the end of that, and John makes this tremendous fuss about knowing, K-N-O-W, knowing, all right? So let's just do a little bit of recap. Most scholars believe 1 John was written to a church in Ephesus that was going through a split. A lot of people were leaving the church, and they were leaving over this, uh, this heresy, this wrong teaching called Gnosticism. You've heard me talk about it before. Gnostic, the word Gnostic comes from the Greek word to know. And it was a secret knowing that they were talking about, a secret knowledge that they had. And only the people who had this secret knowledge could pass the secret knowledge on to somebody else. And only when they had that secret knowledge could they pass it on to somebody else. And eventually they had the secret knowledge that only they had that would lead to eternal life. And they knew all the things. They knew this. This was Gnosticism. But it was all secret. Nobody would know it. You track it with me so far? John, in this short letter, uses the word knowing 31 times. So it's as if he is saying, okay, there's this group of people who are claiming they know what I really know. And let me tell you what I know he is saying. So I wonder if that sin that leads to death that John is talking about is actually this cult. Because they didn't believe that Jesus was real flesh and blood. They didn't believe he was the Son of God. They didn't believe he could forgive sins. If you don't believe those things, it ultimately leads to death. Amen? Okay? So maybe that was it. Throw that idea into the mix of all the other 50 different commentaries you may go and research. All right? Knowing is what I kept coming back to in this passage. And what does John know? Well, just in these last couple of verses, he knows how to get eternal life, right? Verse 13, I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You may know that this is not it, but that there is a forever that we get to continue being a part of. You may know, John says, that when you pray for what pleases God, God's gonna answer. That's verse 15, we know when he hears us when we make our requests and also that he will give us what we ask for. He says, you may know that you are children of God and you don't belong to those that aren't and to the world that is not. That's verse 15, actually that's verse 18 and 19. We know that God's children don't make a practice of sinning for God's son holds them secure and the evil one can't touch them. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. John just keeps coming back to this. We know, we know. know. It's as if he says to the Gnostics, Gnostics, you don't know diddly. You see what I did there? Okay, thanks, Scott. I figured you would catch it. (laughs) I could take us back through this entire short letter and look at all the 31 different verses of John talking about knowing. I'm not going to do that because that would take a while. But John talks about knowing Christ from the beginning. He talks about our knowledge leads to obedience, he talks about the spirit of God in us allows us to know. What, is it, what does it help us to know? Knows how to love. And God is love. So therefore, we know love. We know that Jesus came to take away our sins. John says this in here. We know that we don't belong to the world. Knowing, knowing, knowing. John is countering this group that claims they know by saying, no, we know. And you know what? John says, I know because I lived it. I laid my head on Jesus' chest. I crossed the rivers with Jesus. The front of my robe got dirty because I walked so closely to Jesus as he was walking on the dusty roads of Galilee that the dust flew up. I know, John says. And not just in this book, but you know that life story that he wrote? We call it the Gospel of John. Over 70 times he uses the term no in there. And it all builds on itself. It starts in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, this religious leader who didn't want to be seen in the daylight talking to Jesus, so he comes at night and says, uh, tell me a few things, Jesus. But he starts off with, I know, we know that you came from God and you were sent to teach us. Fast forward one chapter, you get a Samaritan woman at a well. Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to her, talked to her anyways, asked her about her husband. You guys know most of that story, right? Here's your previous encounters. And and so she goes back, tells the whole village, this guy told me everything about my life. So they asked Jesus to stick around, stuck around for a few days. By the time Jesus left, you know what they said? They said, we know that you are the savior of the world. That's John chapter 4. You look at Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus essentially asked him, do you, are you, guys, do you need to leave too because of all these hard teachings? There's John 6, verse 66. Peter says, to who else should we go? We know you are the Holy One of God. When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, he said, Father, we know that the way to eternal life is through you and me, Jesus knew this. In John nineteen thirty five, I mentioned this verse last week. When John's watching Jesus hang on a cross, John has this little this little parenthetical statement that says, "I I witnessed this, and I'm writing this stuff so that you may believe." Essentially, so that you may know. You get to the very last verse in John. But one of the last things he says is, this disciple, he's talking about himself in third person, is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. John's saying, we can know. And know what? He comes back to this in verse 20. We know that the Son of God has come. And that he's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. Every time John mentions knowing, he's pointing people to Christ. To who he is, to what he's done, to just the genuine nature of who he is. And John says we can know this stuff. And because of that, we can know God. Bo Jackson's not in our biblical text for today. I don't know if he knows this stuff. I hope he does. Because I want to throw a baseball at him and have him hit it out of Peter's gates. Because he can hit it. that If I want to race him. Okay, I don't know if he knows it. But John knows this stuff. And let me tell you what. I'll be candid. Okay, I I can say this as a pastor or as a follower of Christ. The people that John was writing to were second or third generation Christians. That means... They didn't walk the dusty roads with Jesus. Their parents or their grandparents did. So 70 years later, they're listening to these group of people that sound really smart, really holy, and they sound like they really know what they're talking about. So I don't fault them for being a little bit confused, for having questions. Fast forward 2,000 years, I still have questions. There's times I still look at some of the foundational things that I've always been taught, and I'm like, really, can you know that? Sixteen years of pastoring, I'm a whole lot less confident of saying I know than I was when I first started. But I know Jesus. And I think that's enough. We don't know what Monday holds. We don't know what the next six months holds. But we know who holds us. And this is the same Jesus that healed people every step of the way. All right, so if John knows, then I'm going to say, I know. It's all about Jesus for him. Let's keep it that simple for us too. Let's pray. God, I wish that 100% of the time I had the confidence that John has. I wish that 100% of the time I could say with unquestioning, unwavering certainty that I know. But I'd be lying, and you would know that if I said that was true. So I want to ask for me and for anyone sitting in this room, for anyone watching online, that you would help us grow in this confidence of knowing Jesus. God, there's so many other things that, that are important but are on the periphery. I pray that you would help us keep our eyes on Jesus. Who we can know hears our prayers and will answer them. That's all I've got. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.